It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 328 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called California Crackdown. It is October 7th, 2021, and this is Jen. I'm going to start off talking about things related to the Blizzard, Activision Blizzard lawsuits, because something new has popped up just today in California. It's a piece of legislation that uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed. It's called the Silenced No More Act. It is designed to protect whistleblowers in California, and I'm going to read you a little bit about this. It was on the verge, and there's also legislation that I've pulled out of uh one of the sites where you can read the actual like wording in the legislation. So I'll read you a little bit about this. Governor Gavin Newsom signed the Silenced No More Act on Thursday night, a historic piece of legislation authored by State Senator Connie Leva, who is a Democrat that represents Chino, uh, that should protect workers who speak out about harassment and discrimination, even if they've signed a non-disclosure agreement. So with this, um, they've taken a piece of legislation and altered it so that it can fit that. Now, when I read just this far into this article, my immediate thought was, okay, can we use this against Activision Blizzard? Because they've got a lot of workers that had to sign uh, non-disclosure agreements, which prevent them from not only getting a lawyer to protect themselves, in places where, you know, any workplace that has to do with harassment or discrimination or non-equitable pay or all of these kinds of things for their own benefit. Like, non-disclosure agreements means you end up in arbitration or you also cannot talk about it to anyone and whoever is actually being victimized has no recourse. This changes it. The Silence No More Act. Now, to be clear, this is a piece of legislation in California. It's not going to cover the entire United States unless the Biden administration somehow decides to pick this up. It doesn't typically happen. Usually laws come from whoever's in the uh, White House and Congress at the time, not the other way around. But maybe it could be influential, maybe. But it's definitely, it's signed into law. This is a piece of legislation that's happening here in California right now, like as of today. And obviously, things take a while to go from writing out a bill to passing the bill with enough votes to getting it to a governor to having the governor sign it. So it's not like this just happened yesterday, but the signing did. It happened today, the 7th. So, or maybe the 6th. Sometimes these uh, websites talk about it the day after. So that's what it is. And some of the stuff in here says the law could have enormous implications for the tech industry, which is famous for having workers sign extremely restrictive NDAs, while it will only protect employees in California. Uh, There are plans to expand it to other parts of the United States. I don't know how they're going to do that specifically unless they get other governors to say, yeah, you know what, that's a great thing. Let's let's do that, too. Or if you get enough people in a state's Congress or whatever, or legislature, maybe. But the point is... This can be used against companies like Activision Blizzard that are doing all kinds of terrible things and so far haven't really gotten much 
repercussions for that. So I'm hoping this will do something. The bill itself is pretty long. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'll just read you a little bit. There's like a thing about settlements and non-disparagement agreements. Existing law prohibits a sexual, a sexual, a settlement <laughs> agreement from preventing the disclosure of factual information regarding specified acts related to a claim filed in a civil action or a complaint filed in an administrative action. These laws include sexual assault as defined, sexual harassment as defined, and, and all this they're saying it's defined later on in the law. I'm not going to read you every word of this. It's pretty long. Uh, an act of workplace harassment or discrimination based on sex, failure to prevent such an act or retaliation against a person for reporting such an act and an act of harassment or discrimination based on sex by the owner of a housing accommodation as defined or retaliation against a person for reporting such an act. This is uh, what this was like. This is the wording of the bill to start off with. This bill would clarify that this prohibition includes provisions which restrict the disclosure of the information described above for purposes of agreements entered into or after January 1, 2022. The bill would also expand the prohibition to include acts of workplace harassment or discrimination not based on sex and acts of harassment or discrimination not based on sex by the owner of a housing accommodation. Now, the January 1, 2022 thing is possibly only a California thing. What happens is laws go through the the lawmakers, um, <laughs> the Congress, uh, and the Senate, and if it's signed, it goes into law with a whole bunch of other laws that were signed on the first day, January 1st, of the upcoming year. So January 1, 2022, this goes into effect, which feels like a long time between now and then if it's something that they might be able to use on companies like Activision Blizzard that are have a whole, whole long history of allowing all kinds of horrible stuff to happen on their watch in their, uh, <laughs> in their offices and at their BlizzCons and stuff like that. So it'll be a little while before this can affect them, but in a couple of months... They could potentially use it against companies like this. And this might, I'm hoping, be able to get people who had to sign non-disclosure, non-disclosure, yeah, I'm losing the word, but that, you know, like they'll be able to talk about it and stuff like that. Now, uh, some of this has to do with housing because there are, there's a lot of push, not only in California, but also federally to make sure that housing uh, is available to people who are people of color, people who are LGBTQ, people with disabilities especially. And so there's a lot of push to put regulation in place that makes sure that those people aren't getting discriminated against. So that's kind of part of what this thing is talking about with housing. It's unrelated to the blizzard thing, but that's kind of worked into this. So there's a lot of stuff in here and I'll link to everything in the show notes if you want to read all of it. But it seems pretty interesting and like it could really do some good. It's a smaller piece of legislation than some, so you could get through it pretty quickly if you wanted to. But that's basically what this is about. And then Kotaku, they wrote an article. It's a California-based one, but it's not the same as what I just talked about. So this one is titled, California Steps in to Prevent Activision Blizzard Destroying Sexual Harassment Evidence. The Department of Fair Employment and Housing is attempting to protect vital evidence by intervening in the recent EEOC settlement. Now, if you remember the EEOC settlement, there was a 
a day where there was stuff on social media saying, hey, we're going to do a settlement or we're going to work, you know, whatever. And then like an hour later, this press release popped up from Activision Blizzard. And it seemed to me and many others, from what I can tell from just reading stuff on Twitter, that it didn't really harm Activision Blizzard. It was like, it was like nothing to them. Like it was such a small amount of money that they were supposed to give out to employees because of some of the bad things that had happened that you all know about if you've been listening to this or reading anything on social media, really, or listening to really any gaming podcast that focuses on focuses on Activision or Blizzard games. You've heard this part before, but it's like this tiny little amount of money compared to what Activision Blizzard makes in a year or whatever. And I don't know exactly how all the rest of their funding flows, but that sort of thing. It felt like, well, that was worthless. Why even bother? What was the point? You know, that kind of thing. And it's also, I've read, and I think I talked about in a previous show, that the settlement that was made is offering money to people who worked for Blizzard specifically from 2016 onward. But we know a lot of the bad stuff happened before 2016, and there didn't appear to be anything specifically saying that, hey, if you're one of the abusers, you don't get this money. That's not necessarily in there. I, no one's pointed that out and said, oh, look, there's a clause that says you can't give it to the abusers. Um, you know, it's it's awful. So uh, it appears that the... <laughs> The U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, EEOC, has a motion filed against them by the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing, the DFEH, to intervene in a potential settlement that's coming with the EEOC and Activision Blizzard. The motion argues that the DFEH's own trial against Activision Blizzard will be irreparably damaged by the conditions of said settlement. The settlement includes, includes a clause in which... In, let me try that again. The settlement includes a clause which requests that Activision Blizzard be able to remove any allegations of sexual harassment from the personnel files of settlement claimants, effectively destroying evidence that is essential to the DFEH's own trial. So if I'm understanding this correctly, Activision Blizzard got uh, a settlement with the, uh, looks like, do, 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 with the EEOC. And it was here, here, you have to pay this amount of money to people that qualify for this from 2016 forward. And if you took that money, it appears that if you take that money, something in that settlement said, okay, this person was abused. This person took the money that they can get from the settlement. We're going to go destroy all the records of that person reporting abuse while there's another lawsuit going on. It seems incredibly illegal to do such things. And I know that there was talk earlier about uh, allegations that Activision was, you know, shredding documents and stuff like that. Maybe Blizzard was too. It's really hard to say. So there's that going on. Um, now, I knew, I knew that the first thing wasn't the end because there's so many moving parts in trying to get Activision Blizzard to straighten up, basically. So there's a little more here from the Kotaku article. The DFEH met with both Activision Blizzard and the EEOC on the 5th of October to inform both parties of its plans to intervene. Normally, it would have to wait seven days before filing its intervention. Instead, due to the grave harm the DFEH sees in a potential settlement, it has filed the motion ex parte, which allows it to be filed instantly 
if the court finds it reasonable. The DFEH justifies this ex parte request by citing the settlement case that would allow Activision Blizzard to scrub the sexual harassment allegations. Yeah. Wow. And... Kotaku points out two months ago, the DFEH accused Activision Blizzard of shredding evidence that could reflect on the company poorly during its case. And, you know, they've got a union busting firm that they hired and just uh, it's pretty bad. So I'm hoping that the DFEH actually does get to stop them from shredding all the evidence before DFEH gets a chance to sue them. Well, I guess they've already sued them or something, but, you know, that kind of thing. Um, The article includes a statement from Activision Blizzard, which at this point, I don't really freaking care what they have to say about it. You know, if if you've got this many lawsuits against you for the same things and allegations that you're shredding things, I don't trust your words anymore. That's just me, maybe, but a lot of people probably feel the same way about that. And it's just, there's a lot in here. I don't want to really fill my entire you know, episode with all of this, but it's there. I'll put it in the notes if you want to read all this stuff. It's really a lot. It's a lot. So, yeah, there's a piece in here I am going to read a little bit here from. Now, it's some of this is highlighted and some of this is not, and I'm not entirely sure where it's all coming from, but um, here's, the, here's a piece. The DFEH also takes umbrage which is such a strange word, with a clause in the settlement which allows Activision Blizzard to reinvest non-distributed settlement funds back into its own programs. And here's a piece from, I'm assuming the EEOC. If any of the settlement fund remains undisturbed after exhausting the efforts to locate the eligible claimants as set forth above, the the excess funds will be distributed between Cypress Fund for distribution to charitable organizations whose mission involves advancing women in the video game and technology industries or promoting awareness around sexual harassment and gender equality issues and the Diversity and Inclusion Fund to be used by defendants exclusively for diversity, inclusion, and equity efforts beyond the scope and terms of this decree. The allocation between the Cypress Fund and Diversity and Inclusion Fund will be decided by defendants, which means Activision Blizzard, but subject to approval by the EEOC. So there's that. Um, there's, There's just so much in here. It's kind of... It's just getting worse and worse for Activision Blizzard. And I'm hoping that the people working there still aren't being quite as harassed as before. But there's still a lot of just awfulness in the idea of, well, we'll get you to take this money. It's a tiny little bit. And, oh, things happened to you before 2016? Oh, well, too bad. You don't qualify. Oh, you were an abuser in 20 before 2016? And you think something happened to you? Okay, you get money too. I mean, this is just disgusting honestly that's not how you should be running things i mean this is a company that has been well known now uh to have fostered sexual abuse and harassment throughout the companies you know and to just kind of do a teeny payoff and then say okay we gave you money now we're going to shred all of the evidence that you you know said about what happened to you from people that worked here with you that just seems really wrong You know, it just seems really wrong. And I'm not sure who exactly is making these decisions over at Activision Blizzard, but whoever it is doesn't seem to actually care about other human beings very much. And that's all I'm going to say about that. So as you may have heard, Twitch had a breach and a lot of information was taken from Twitch and posted on, I don't remember if it was 4chan. I think it was 4chan and then it just went everywhere. And in the last couple of days, you may have seen lists of people 
that our streamers and the amount of money that they earned from Twitch from, I'm not sure what the time span was of how, you know, like how many years ago that was, or if it's up through today or, well, maybe not today, but up through whatever the, the day of the breach was or something. And so that's been going around. Critical Role is making the most money, which I think is cool because I think they do a lot of cool stuff. I haven't been able to watch a lot of it because honestly, I'm afraid that I'm going to be making just way too much fan art if I do. But, you know, they are at the top of the list and it's an ensemble cast and they do great things. And I don't think anyone should be surprised or, you know, somehow aggrieved that Critical Role is making a ton of money. But there have been people who have gone through the list and noted how many people they noticed that there were a lot of white dudes (laughs) and a couple of white women in the top however many, a hundred, I guess, you know, which could be making a point in some ways. But in any case, Twitch tweeted, we can confirm a breach has taken place. Our teams are working with urgency to understand the extent of this. We will update the community as soon as additional information is available. Thank you for bearing with us. And that was on October 6th. And that was after it had hit the news and all like the tech sites and things like that. But they got there eventually, I guess. So at that point, I've seen many streamers recommend that you go and even the the news sites that were picking this up that don't normally talk a lot about Twitch um, they were saying okay go change your password get two-factor authentication on your Twitch account change your stream key you know all this other stuff and so I did all that I have a Twitch account I used to stream and then I kind of got tired of it so I just use it to watch other people stream right now um, so I did all those things. And then if you have a Twitch account, you got probably got an email from Twitch saying, hey, we changed your, your uh, stream key. So um, there is a tweet about it that links to a little uh, blog post from Twitch. And they wrote on Twitter on yesterday, the 7th, out of an abundance of caution, we have reset all stream keys. You can get your new stream key here. There's uh, It shows you the settings that you need to use. And then you can visit the Twitch blog for more. So for me, that didn't really have much of an effect because I just, you know, went and they'd reset it. So I copied it into something off of Twitch so that I can use the stream key again, you know, and um, no big deal. But I... I'm of the impression that there are a lot of streamers that use a lot of stuff while they stream. And I don't know what all this stuff is because, as I said, I don't stream. But if you've got a stream key that's hooked up to OBS and Twitch has changed it, you need to fix the OBS thing or whatever you're streaming through or you're not going to be able to do it. And there's a lot of other things you can add to Twitch that needs the stream key and needs passwords and all this other stuff. So it probably... Uh, was a bit annoying for people to have to redo it and then have Twitch go, oh yeah, we're going to change all, we, we just changed all your stream keys, you know, don't worry about it. Like, okay, so you got to put all that back in and, but at least they did something, I suppose. So there's that. So if you go and you watch somebody stream who maybe hasn't streamed in a little while and they're like taking a lot of time to have to put all this stuff back together again, this is why. And then the big news that you probably came here to hear about other than the other stuff I just did was the Diablo 4 quarterly update. And it's interesting in a number of ways. It does focus on the sound of Diablo 4 in the game. The first thing it starts off with is an announcement that Joe Shelley from the Diablo 4 team um, was a design lead working on Diablo 4. And he's now the game director of Diablo 4. So that's pretty neat to have that, you know, announced. So we know who's working there. We know who's 
the person in charge or the you know the head of the team there. So that's kind of that's kind of cool to start right off and introduce himself. I'm obviously not going to read every word in here because I think many of you have probably either skimmed it or listened to the music already. But if you haven't, it's kind of talking about like my overall understanding of this is it's sort of trying to evoke the sounds of sanctuary so that when you're playing the game it feels like it should sound that sort of thing and i'm going to read you a paragraph of this sanctuary should always be items glittering in dark dungeons tales of powerful heroes standing against the onslaught of hell Lands where trials, treasure, and terrible monsters lie around every corner, equal parts familiar and boundless in its possibilities. Doing this world justice is a solemn responsibility. So they continued to say, today we're taking a deep dive into the sound design of Diablo 4. And they're talking about how, you know, sound is sometimes unappreciated. You know, you hear it in the game and you just kind of keep going, but you probably don't really think about it as much as I think what they're trying to say, but you can read every word of it when I stick it in the show notes and you can check it out that way. So they've got some stuff in here and they've got small videos. So there's one called Fractured Peaks. It's an area, it's a location, and it's got some ambient sounds in there to listen to that they've created. And there's a, there's a paragraph here that I want to read to you as well. Sound and music and games are the invisible glue that supports the storytelling and ties you to your character and their actions during gameplay. Creating sound for games is an exciting artistic endeavor that you can't see, only hear. However, you can feel it literally with the sound waves against your body, depending on what you are listening back on. It is an amazing medium that can also affect how you feel emotionally while playing a game. A lot of times, it's subtle. And other times, it's over the top, but always there to support the moment-to-moment gameplay. We hope you enjoy this deep dive into various aspects of the game's soundscape, and you'll have plenty of time to look forward to the two and experience when you finally get to play it. And so there's that. There's a section called The Devils in the Details, and it's talking about how things should be and how, like, fire skills are. I think the Diablo account, I think it was the Diablo account, showed a little video of... I can't remember which character it was. Might have been a sorceress that was shooting fireballs and then it turned into a giant fire snake kind of thing. I don't know if that... Like, there was sound in it, you know, so maybe that had something to do with this. Um, oh, yeah, fire, fireboat, firebolt and inferno, it says in here, sorcerer, sorcerer skills. So, yeah, there's a little video called Desert Field Recording Session. I think that's the one that they put onto Twitter. And there's so many. There's the Wood Wraith ones. There's a Gore Studio recording session, which probably is going to be disgusting and interesting and fitting right into D4. And there's so many more of them in there to listen to and kind of think about how that's going to fit into the game. And it's just kind of neat. It's really neat. And, you know, as they said, you don't really get to hear a lot about, here's how we're putting all the background sounds in. Because, as, it, as they said... Most people aren't thinking about that when they're playing. They're just enjoying it or kind of hearing the sounds sort of as background or that kind of thing. Or some people just turn off the sounds entirely and listen to something else while they're playing. But I think I think they're on the right direction with these sounds that they showed in these videos. And it just gives me the feeling that Diablo 4 is going to be okay. You know what I mean? Recently, Westmarch Workshop released episode 218.5. Nineball released 218 before, said that if there was a a quarterly dev update for D4, that he would do a 218.5, and he has done so. And it's on Twitch, 
as a video on demand. I wasn't able to catch this one, but I'm sure it's good. I'm not sure how long it is. Looks like it's about half an hour long, so you can catch his take on that. It's probably got he's probably got more to say than I did, but it's always good to hear more people in the Diablo community saying what they think about things like the quarterly reviews and you know what could be better, what's already good, what you know, that kind of thing. So there's that. And now I'm gonna go into some of the goofier stuff that Diablo's done on Twitter. So there was a tweet from the Diablo account, your chosen class reflects your mortal soul. And they've got all of the D2 resurrected versions of the classes just kind of like grouped together, you know, <laughs> with the logo in the middle. And they all look grumpy because it's D2, that kind of thing. So they have one for every class, sorceress, barbarian, necromancer, Amazon, paladin, assassin, and druid. And there's like a little blurb of, you know, how your chosen class reflects your your mortal soul. I'm going to do a couple of these, but not all of them, but if I'll link to the tweet and you can find it all just like in a thread from that tweet, but I play a barbarian. So the barbarian one says, you are the rock others lean on, strong, dependable, and deadly. And uh, I think a lot of people like the Amazon because I think I tweeted or retweeted on the Soulstone, Soulstone account some stuff that had the Amazon and it got all these likes. So I think people really dig the Amazon and they're enjoying that one. So I'm going to read the one about the Amazon. So for the Amazon, it says, your courage never falters even in the face of endless doom. So it just goes on from there. It's kind of neat little like sort of like giving you a flavor of the classes. So if you haven't started playing yet, you might find one and go, yeah, that sounds like that sounds like the one I want to do. Or if you're bored with the one you're playing, you can switch and that kind of thing. But it's just kind of neat. It's not exactly a horoscope, which I think the Diablo account did at some point in the past. But it's just, it's kind of neat. It's just kind of cool to sort of try to add more personality to these characters. <laughs> There's also been some patches and things of that nature. So there is a Diablo 2 Resurrected patch that was released on October 5th which would have been after the previous episode of Shattered Soulstone was recorded, and it is available on Xbox and PlayStation. It will be released to Nintendo devices in the near future. I don't know if the near future has come yet, but there is uh, a forum thing about it, Blue Notes as they call it, and so there's, there's some little bits about what they fixed. Uh, general bug fixes, it says uh, Pez Radar community manager wrote this one in the blue notes. Fixed saves for online characters that share the same names as their... Fixed saves for offline characters that share the same name as their online characters. Fixed an issue where players are now notified that their Xbox Live accounts are being linked during account linking. <laughs> Isn't it supposed to do that? Okay. Um... Fixed an issue preventing players from creating a game in their region after they joined a game in a different region and some stability and performance stuff. Fixed numerous related miscellaneous bugs that would cause users' games to crash. So that's for the Xbox, PlayStation, and eventually the Nintendo Switch consoles, which they haven't gotten to at the time of that post. There was also, on the 5th, a uh, patch for PCs. Uh, also... I think that one's also written by Pez Radar. Yep. And it just says a new patch is now available for PC. Read below to learn more about the latest changes. The general idea here is it says allows for all non-AVX supported processors to work with Diablo 2 Resurrected. So there's that one. And in the past week since the last show, people who had worked on Diablo 2 or, Di or Diablo 2 Resurrected 
started showing their arts, like concepts of monsters and things like that. And there's a person uh, named going by at Vertex Snapper who has shown a frog demon in-game model that they made. And it, yeah, it's a big frog and it looks like it's been barbecued and it's, you know, kind of got this demonic kind of look to it, which it probably should. Uh, Vertex Snapper also made a uh, goat man sculpt, or I guess that one was done by somebody else, but they're highlighting it. Done by someone named Rodian Vlasov. So it's a green scaly thing walking on two feet with uh, an oversized jaw and horns and a tail. And so it's kind of got some strange proportions to it. But it the skin of the character has like really detailed little scales and stuff across its back and all this stuff. And I guess it's uh, it was created off the goat man. So I, is this a lizard man? I'm not entirely sure. Um, someone named the, oh, well, someone going by the Odani, uh, who is a 3D artist, did some Diablo sculpts in a Twitch stream. So those, those are kind of neat. They've got some, like, dimension to them, and the lighting looks really cool. And it's a little bit different from what you see in the games, but it's got, like, that whole... You know this is Diablo from looking at it. You know, you just do. And then there's another one from Vertex Snapper that is the in-game model of Duriel. So uh, Vertex Snapper seems to be the person that uh, was re- got to recreate this boss. And Vertex Snapper points out, uh, thanks to their art director, Chris Ar- Armarl, but it just looks it looks cool. I mean, when you see it just sitting here, it's different than trying to fight it in-game and check out all the details. But it's definitely got that whole bug body thing and the giant claws and all the spikes and stuff like that. It's pretty cool, and you can see it from different angles and stuff. And I think it's neat. Just the creepiness of all of the monsters that they put into the Diablo games, I think it's fantastic. And if you're stuck and you don't know what to do in uh, Diablo 2 to move forward, there's a bunch of guides that I haven't mentioned last time because I don't know if they were released yet. But Max Roll's got one for the Tornado Hurricane Druid, which is described as one of the most versatile builds in Diablo 2 Resurrected. It, there's more details about that, and I'll, you know, like I said, everything will be in the show notes, so if that sounds like something you'll want to play, you'll be able to find it easily. Max Roll also has... A, a guide on the Blessed Hammer Paladin, commonly known as the Hammerdin or Hdin, and says that this has been a staple build in Diablo 2 for many years. So there's a guide for that one if you want to play that one. Maxroll also has this thing that appears to be something where you can keep track of what items you've collected. And I'm not sure how this... I guess you have to sign in or something for this. I'm not sure, but it's got like a summary and then it's got weapons and armor and there's a list like it just says me next to the items so I guess maybe you have to sign in but if you're really interested in just checking to see what stuff you already have and you don't remember what you dropped or sold or what you're you know what else do I need to grab for this build or that sort of thing you can use this thing and I guess it's gonna keep track of all that for you I don't know <laughs> so it seems to be something useful. It's a lot of numbers. I'll look at it later when I have more opportunity to play. I think that's what I might do. There's also a uh, video from Blizz Planet 
that is how to craft the lore rune word for helm, and it's a it's a YouTube video, I think. Is it a blog post? Let's check this out to be sure. Uh, it's both. <laughs> it's got a YouTube video and it's got a blog post attached to it, so you can check that one out if you're looking for the lore tiara. There's also Big Daddy Dunn has a YouTube video called Monarch Shield Farming Guide Diablo 2 Resurrected D2R. So if you're looking for the Monarch Shield, this would be the video to check out before you go looking for it, I assume. And that's pretty much all I have this time around. I've been really busy with work and stuff like that, so I don't really have anything to report as far as gameplay. But uh, that's... Everything I found this week that seemed interesting enough to put into the Shattered Soulstone podcast. And now I'm going to close out the show. You have been listening to episode 328 of the Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in game. Our in-game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone, are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page, as well as at the Shattered Soulstone website. This show is powered by you, the listener. Send in your thoughts, contributions, questions, and feedback to our Twitter at Shattered Stone or Facebook, facebook.com slash Shattered Soulstone. You can also leave a comment on the ShatteredSoulstone.com blog if you really want to say something. And that's all I have for today. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>